reading is Psalm 16, which is found on page 549 of the Church Bibles. Reading from verse 1, page 549. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life, You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Amen. Thank you, Logan, very much for reading for us. Let's pray as we begin. Father, we thank you so much for your word and thank you for this uh, wonderful and encouraging psalm that we've got in front of us now. And we pray you'd help us to rightly understand this and may it point us to our Lord Jesus, we pray, for his name's sake. Amen. Well, I'd known him in the past uh, from somewhere and he called me to uh, try and sell me a car. His business was selling cars or is selling cars to clergy. And he offered me a deal which was just ridiculous. It was... Uh, just simply, it seemed too good to be true. A new car delivered to the door, all taxed and ready to go uh, at a price that no one else could come anywhere near to. Uh, some things are just too good to be true. But this uh, this one was true. Uh, and uh, this is what we're thinking about today. And uh, here's the car sitting in the church car park today. Um, no, it's not really. It was a Honda Jazz. That is sitting in a church car park, but it's not that one. But we're, uh, we're thinking this morning of Psalm 16. Psalm 16, and thinking in particular about how God shapes our desires, which shape our destiny. Um, but there are things which do seem just too good to be true. Uh, lovely, but to be honest, they're not uh, quite our experience. So, for instance, you have a look at verse 5 in the psalm here. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. Well, yeah, on a good day, I can agree with that. On a good day, or maybe in a good hour, uh, or perhaps for half an hour, I would be thinking that. Or look at verse 8. You think, I keep my eyes always on the Lord's. With him at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But actually, if we're honest... And if I'm honest, I'm thinking, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. Well, I try, but I so easily get distracted by other things. And then uh, uh, flip over the page to page 550, and 
Uh, have a look at verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Uh, I love the confidence. And I love it when, you know, there are folks here uh, and departed loved ones here who I've spoken to about this. And I love their confidence as well. Uh, but I've also spoken to lots of people who don't share that confidence. So Psalm uh, 16 is a great psalm, but is it just simply, and to be honest with each other, just a teeny bit too good to be true? I wonder if it is actually true. Because, for instance, David, the author of this psalm, uh, I mean, he wasn't perfect either. His His personal history is, well, shall we say, mottled at best. And uh, so uh, while on a good day, uh, or a good moment in a good day, we might be able to take Psalm 16, I suspect David is actually in the same boat as the rest of us. Is this just simply too good to be true? I mean, David couldn't honestly pray his own psalm. Not every day, that's for sure. So we're all a bit stuck, aren't we? Until we grasp this, that there is one person, there is one person who, for whom this psalm was absolutely true, wonderfully true. And that one person is, of course, our Lord Jesus. He is, we could call him, the Psalm 16 man. In fact, it is quoted at the end of Psalm 16, verses 10 and 11, we'll come to this later on, are quoted twice in the book of Acts as referring to Jesus and his resurrection. And uh, Jesus won the blessing of Psalm 16 for us. As he was uh, gave himself for us, as he was raised from the dead, and as he sent his spirit on the church, so actually, more and more, we can say Psalm 16. And we can say that it is true of us, as his people, as his spirit works in our hearts and in our lives. No one can naturally, truly pray Psalm 16, unless you realize it's about Jesus. And unless you realize that actually we can become like Psalm 16, bit by bit, and we do through our lives as we pray and ask God by his spirit to work in our lives. So Psalm 16, uh, a life and a destiny, too good to be true? No. Actually, as it says on the screen there, God shapes our desires, which shape our destiny. He does it by his spirit. And so we see here something that actually uh, can come wonderfully true in our lives. Psalm 16 can work for us. And it explains here how God works in our lives and how he shapes our desires. And our desires then shape our destiny. Now, some people have a real sense of destiny, don't they? Uh, as a family last night, we watched um, uh, Darkest Darkest Day, Darkest Hour, that film about Churchill. And uh, apparently on the 10th of May, I don't think it's in the, form, in the film, but I was going to quote this this morning anyway. On the 10th of May, 1940, Winston Churchill said this of his becoming prime minister. I was conscious of a profound sense of relief. At last... I had the authority to give directions over the whole scene. I felt as if I were walking with destiny and that all my past life had been but preparation for this hour and for this trial. But that was not the kind of destiny that we're talking about here. In Psalm 16, God shapes our desires which shape our 
destiny. So, uh, for instance, there's a guy called John Piper. And uh, John Piper, uh, in, um, uh, he's got an organization called Desiring God. And if, if you like, that is, uh, he's a minister in the States. And, uh, and if you like, Desiring God is a summary of his life and ministry. Desiring God. And David in Psalm 16, he talks of someone who desires God from the deep level of their being, from their hearts. So the question is, for us, as we read this, Do we desire God's? If you're going to give yourself, say, a score out of ten, and you can't give yourself seven, because we all do, when we give ourselves a score out of ten, what would yours be? What would it be now, at 25 to 11, Sunday the 23rd of September? What would your score be? On what was it, say, yesterday? Say about this time yesterday. And you see, the thing is, most of us don't really desire God that much, if we're honest. And we'd love to do it more, wouldn't we? So there's, I think I've got a, we've got a Churchill picture here. There's Churchill, that's in the wrong place, sorry about that. And here's a guy called A.W. Tozer. And uh, he wrote this about desiring God. I want deliberately to encourage this mighty longing after God. The lack of it has brought us to our present lowest state. And this was over 100 years ago. The stiff and wooden quality about our religion, uh, uh, our religious lives, is a result of our lack of holy desire. Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present, or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that with many of us, he waits so long, so very long, in vain. But the trouble is, you can't just kind of whip up desire, can you? It's something in the heart. It wouldn't be genuine if you just kind of tried to generate it of our own of our own kind of volition. Um, but what instead, what we need to do is to pray in the light of Psalm 16 that actually God would generate a deep and profound desire for him in our hearts, that God would reconfigure our hearts, that he would reprioritize our lives so that we can honestly and genuinely say Psalm 16 and mean it a little bit more than we did last week, a little bit more than we do today and so on in the future, that we would be able to do that. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we could have a church full of people here and every single one of us would honestly and genuinely be able to say, for instance, verse 5, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. Or verse 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. And wouldn't it be wonderful if actually every single one of us could be saying that whatever we're doing, say at 2.30 next Wednesday afternoon. Or maybe at 2.30 next Wednesday morning. As we're lying awake worrying or maybe feeding a little one uh, and worrying perhaps about what's going to be happening the next day. God shapes our desires which shape our destiny. Well, that's the introduction. Okay, uh, but don't worry, uh, we're, uh, uh, we're well past just the introduction in terms of time. We're thinking about God shaping our desires and our desires which shape our destiny. And we're thinking of our destiny. There are four points I want to make. And the first one uh, is this, that our a destiny is secure. 
Now, we all like to be secure, don't we? A little child likes to be held by mum or dad if they've uh, uh, fallen over and hurt themselves, or a baby in their parents' arms. Uh, We like to be secure, so we lock the front door before we go to bed. We like to be secure, so we have an insurance policy. Maybe we like our families to be secure, so we have some life insurance in case we die before our days and so on. We like to be secure, so we we like to have an armed forces and police force in our country, don't we, to help us feel secure. But, you know, it is amazing. It is fundamentally and simply amazing how we fail to provide any kind of security at all for the most dangerous and threatening thing we will ever, ever do. And what's that? Die. How about your eternal security? How about that? And Psalm 16 talks about the security from God. And uh, uh, we need to pray, don't we, that God would generate this desire, desiring God uh, in our hearts and help us to really want and rejoice in that eternal security. It's an eternal security. Look at verse 1. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. That is from God. It's not from the police. It's not from the army. It's not from an insurance policy. It's not from your pension. Our eternal security comes from God's. And you see in verse 2 there, there is no good thing apart from God's. Security is a good thing, therefore it must come from God. God alone. Or in verse 5, you make my lot secure. Actually, the implication, and given at the beginning of verse 5, is that God only makes life secure. God is the only one who makes life secure. My lot, if you like. Not anyone else. And his confidence in verse 8 there uh, is that this desire is for God and my destiny springs from that desire. I with confidence is I will therefore not be shaken. In the end, our security is from God and nowhere else. So let's pray every day that God would mold, would shape our desires which shape our destiny. So it's a destiny that's secure. Second thing here we see, it's a destiny that's unique. This is a destiny uh, that he's talking about here. It's a, it's a secure destiny found in no one else and found nowhere else. So look at verse 2. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Or in verse 4, those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods, with a small g, or take up their names on my lips. That's a good commitment, isn't it? I'm not going to have other gods. That's a good commitment for life. That's, that's a good thing to say to God every day, isn't it? We have a destiny that is secure and unique. Because you won't find the Christian gospel anywhere else. You won't find the good news of an eternal destiny anywhere outside the Christian church. And sometimes, tragically, not even in uh, what is uh, carries the name of a Christian church. But there's no other religion, there's no other ism that offers us an eternal life, an eternal destiny, a security for all eternity. It is unique. We have a unique eternity in the Christian gospel that we preach here and in all good Christian churches in this town, this city, uh, this county, and this country, and in the world. Christianity is unique. The Christian gospel is unique. Don't bother looking anywhere else. Look at the beginning of verse 4. Don't look anywhere else. There's no need to look anywhere else. Anywhere else is actually a waste of time if you're seeking to find something for your eternal security and to make sure that your eternal destiny is right and true. Don't bother going anywhere else. 
actually, uh, the promise of the world gives us nothing. And actually, it's worse than nothing because it promises the world. But actually, it's a lie. And it does not work. Christianity, our destiny, our unique destiny. And we have a unique relationship with God. A personal relationship of stability and confidence. So look at verse 7. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Even at night. Even when you wake up in the early hours of the morning, as I'm in the habit of doing. I was praying last night at about half past two. Please, Lord, help me get back to sleep again. And uh, and it's not bravado. You know, it's just simple facts, encouraging a relationship with God that all genuine Christian people have. Extraordinarily wonderful. You know, we have this phrase, you know, you have my back. You know, it's sort of, I think young people, millennials have this, you know, oh, he has my back. It's great. Well, uh, if you understand what that means, and I'm not entirely sure I do, but anyway, um, uh, but actually the truth is God has my back. My great God has my back. That is it. That is a unique security and confidence that it gives us. We have a destiny which is secure, which is unique. And the third thing, I think in some ways for me, this is the, the best thing about this. It, it's engrossing, which is a positive thing. It's not like an addiction. Um, there's an old com- commentator on, on the Psalms, a guy called Derek Kidner, delightful guy. I met him once, uh, in, probably in his 80s or 90s when I met him. And, uh, and he has titled Psalm 16 in his commentary, All My Delight. I love that. God is all my delight. That's engrossing, isn't it? That's, uh, Lord, by your spirit, would you please shape my desires so this faith of mine becomes more and more engrossing. And anyway, you look in Psalm 16, this is his life. Look at the end of verse 2. Apart from you, I have no good thing. And in verse 5, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. Verse 8. Uh, With him at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. His every desire is to live for and be building a relationship, a strong relationship with his God. He's fallen in love with God, hasn't he? That's what it is. Lord, please would you, by your spirit, shape my desires so that I can love you more. uh, And those desires which shape my destiny. Now, next week, next Sunday is gift day. I've said nothing about it so far. And you may think this is a bit of a strange psalm to think about, uh, uh, to have on preaching. Surely we should be preaching about generosity and giving and things. Um, uh, But actually, um, I haven't mentioned it yet, and to choose this psalm was deliberate. Because I just want to say this. If Christianity is this good, and it is, if God is this kind... And he is. If this life meant this much to King David and to Jesus his Lord, and it did. If this Christianity is unique and the only way to the wonderful security and destiny of heaven, which it is. And if this relationship, this personal relationship with God is the most fulfilling exciting, demanding, happy, and joyful life, which you could possibly imagine, and it is, 
then I'm going to want to grow in it. And I'm going to want others to come to it and to grow in it themselves. And I want our church to grow. And I want our staff to still be here in five, ten years' time, helping me and other people to do that. And so I'll want to give to help support the appeal. And I want us to be able to train new voluntary staff workers in the future. I think we do that rather well as a church. And it means we want to going to join in with this appeal because this Christian life becomes all engrossing. And this is what we want to be developing and growing within our church family here. And so our desire will be to give and to give generously to, to, uh, to help to continue to make disciples of Christ in Brighton and Hove and for the world. You see, the bottom line is this. Our staff help us every day to do Psalm 16. And God, by his spirit, works through the ministry of our staff here. And I'd love us to be able to continue doing this. God is fantastically generous and loving and kind. Lord, by your spirit in my life, would you shape my desires to be like you? For Jesus' sake, would you make that my desire? May that desire shape my destiny. So our destiny is secure, unique, engrossing, and finally, eternal. Finally, in every respect, eternal. And uh, that's over the page on pages, uh, uh, page 550, verses 10 and 11. Because you will not, this was um, quoted in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, verses 25 to 28, and Acts 13, verse 35 at Sidian Antioch. Uh, as the disciples were preaching evangel, or the apostles were preaching evangelistically. And here, so uh, it's quoted, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. Talking about Jesus. This is directly talking about Jesus. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me in joy in your presence, with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Both times applied to Jesus and his resurrection. Now, Woody Allen once jokingly said, the future is not what it used to be. Well, it certainly isn't after Jesus' resurrection. Because of the resurrection, we know Psalm 16 is true. We know that Psalm 16 is Jesus. We know that Psalm 16, through God's Spirit, working in our lives, and as Christian ministers help us to appreciate this and grow in this, we know that Psalm 16 can happen in our lives, bit by bit and bit by bit. Because of the resurrection, we know this is Jesus. He is the man of Psalm 16. He is the one who fulfills it. He is the one who, by his spirit, shapes our desires, which shape our destiny, our eternal destiny. He is the one who gives us confidence about the future, about death, about life beyond death. There was a guy called, a Christian minister called W.B. Hinson, and he lived near Portland in Oregon. Fantastic countryside, I understand, around there. And uh, he once wrote this. I remember a year ago, when the doctor told me you have an illness from which you won't recover. I walked out and looked across uh, at the mountain I love. 
a river which I rejoice in, and stately trees that are always God's poetry to my soul. And that night I looked up into the great sky where God was lighting his lamps. And I said this. I may not see you many more times. But mountain, I shall be. I don't know why I'm finding this so difficult. But mountain, I shall be alive when you are gone. And river, I shall be alive when you cease running towards the sea. And stars, I shall be alive when you have fallen from your sockets in the great downpulling of the material universe. Now, we have an extraordinary life which will not end when we die. And so um, let's pray every day that God would make us uh, desire this more and more. And more with every single fiber of our being. Now, this may look too good to be true. You may read this psalm and think, I can't possibly do this. It's certainly not. We have a life with a destiny, a destiny beyond our wildest dreams. The secure and unique and engrossing and eternal. So let's pray that our desires would be for God and that by his spirit would shape our desires, would shape our destiny. And that our desire would be for God as we come and give next week. Let's pray that Psalm 16 While Jesus is the man of Psalm 16, he lived this perfectly. So let's pray that actually God, by his spirit, because of Jesus' resurrection, would be working this psalm in our lives too. Let's pray.